everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is the 122nd episode of the podcast that is taking you on a journey through all of the superhero adventures of the Marvel Universe, beginning with the Fantastic Four number one and going until at least April of 1966, because that's where we are right now. That's right. That was uh, our goal from the beginning, so this might be it. Hey, you know, we, we, we I don't know why it. we chose this particular day. I don't remember exactly what that was, but... Um, um, I think it was for the Sergeant Fury issue, probably. This particular, yeah. Today we're going to be covering Sergeant Fury 31, The Avengers 29, Tales of Suspense 79, and The Fantastic Four 52, all released on the happy day of April 12th, 1966. So if you haven't done your homework, go to it, kids. Everything so we're, wants you. we're still not born yet. Oh, no. That's going to be quite a ways. Yeah. Not in Marvel. Um, although I have been crowing about this a lot on the internet. Yes, you should. I have now read every Superman comic book and the family of comic books from before I was born. I have now moved into my lifespan and I calculated this to happen on the day when I would be exactly half as old as Superman. So therefore I have read the entire first half of Superman. So now you are in a year where if you start reading, you can be like, oh, I remember this from when I was a baby. Right. Right. Total recall, I'm sure. I can also go around saying I've read over half of all the Superman comics ever. That's pretty amazing. As long as you keep going because more Superman come out tomorrow. That's true. That's true. But but you probably read them faster than they come out at this point, I would think. I don't know. Time-wise, maybe not comics count-wise, but I'm I'm going by... The calendar rather than the because like later comics you can read more in, in, in less yeah. time. So and he doesn't have like twenty eight different titles that come out once a week. So that's true. So unlike, you could probably go faster. Unlike a certain bat person, where like I don't think you could ever catch up. Maybe I don't know. Maybe not. So how, how's how's that going? Are you still in forty three? Get forty four? Oh yeah, I'm just totally stalled on it. I can't decide okay. if I want to spend the rest of my life doing it or not. But <laughs> it was enjoyable as I was doing it. So you never know. Could pick it up again. Could pick it up again. They'll always be there, right? We'll always have It'll 1944. Always be there. That's right. I still have my spreadsheet. I know where I stopped. So. <gasps> Speaking of 1944, Sergeant Fury 31. Oh, was that in 1944? Well, it's it's referencing D-Day, which was in <clears throat> 1944. So. You're right. So it seems like it is. Yes. This particular issue, which is, by the way, entitled Into the Jaws of... Dot, dot, dot. Death. Uh, was edited by Stanley and written by Roy Thomas, illustrated by Dick Ayers, inked by Jay Tartaglioni, and lettered Ooh. by Sam Rosen. So what else is new? Pause. I have a story about Dick Ayers. Okay. Okay. So um, in Action Comics number one, if you um, had that issue, you would notice that one of the, because not all the pages were in color back then. Some mm. of the pages went through a black and white printer. Some of the pages went through a color printer. Um, the One of the black and white features, there was a contest to the 25 readers who did the best job coloring the first page of this story. I want to say it was the Chuck Dawson story. But I don't have the word right in front of me, so I'm not exactly positive, but that's what I think it was. Um, one of the 25 winners of that contest was our very own Dick Ayers. Oh, Wow. I just read that today. Dang. So he had Action Comics number one as a child, and he read it. And now he uh, is working for Marvel. 
I wonder if he kept it. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's why if he did, it's it's missing one of its pages. <laughs> well, that's why that stuff's so valuable, right? Because nobody cared. Right, right, right. That's why so it's anyways, like whenever someone's like, hey, I have these comics. Do you think they're worth anything? I'm always just like, nope. You know why? Because you bought it and you thought it was going to be worth something. That's why it's worth nothing. <laughs> to, to cite my source here, if you ever get a copy of Action Comics number 500 on the inside covers is a text piece about all the different features that have been in Action Comics over the years. Mm. And they did a, they spent a lot of time talking about the first issue because it had all the new features. And yeah, mentioned that. So anyways, Dick Ayers, yay. Well, it didn't have cool snorkels like the Howlers here. No, Fury and the Howler is doing some underwater operations with some really interesting snorkeling <laughs> equipment. Like, I've never seen anything like that. That has of, to uh, be uh, a Dick Ayers invention, I really hope, because I just can't imagine. But Well, you never they know. certainly fit his name. We'll just leave it at that. Yep. Um, <laughs> 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 they get called back to camp by uh, Captain Sam Sawyer, who's like, hey, y'all, I've got to go to an important meeting. I'm leaving... Uh, leaving the, the campus for a while. So y'all play nice. Uh, Sawyer goes off to meet with a general somewhere who's like, Hey, um, we need to tell you some stuff about operation overlord, which is one of the code names for D day. Sawyer's like, are you sure you should tell me? He's like, if I can't trust the, the leader of one of our best fighting battalions, I don't know who to trust. So they start talking about uh, sensitive information regarding D-Day. Uh, Sawyer happens to notice one of the clerks from, from the next room is eyeing and paying a little bit more attention than he should. That clerk runs off, calls his Nazi masters in Germany saying, hey, I've got somebody here who's learning everything there is to know about D-Day. So um, they're like, all right, well, you should go capture him. So Sawyer and the general finish their conversation. They burn the documents that the general was showing to Sawyer. Sawyer's leaving. He gets uh, uh, keelhauled by some um, Nazi undercover soldiers. They capture him. They take him to a Gestapo post in occupied France, where a, um, I don't know, an, a lieutenant or an Ubergruppenführer or somebody <laughs> is talking uh -huh. to Captain Sawyer saying, tell us everything you want to know. He's like, no. I'm not going to tell you. You can torture me. You can do whatever you want. I'm not going to tell you the ID day. So then we see uh, the Howlers, and they're just hanging out. Max and Relax Not Cool, continuing with some training. When a messenger plane flies by and drops a message canister, it's kind of like those little canisters you use at the bank, but without the cool hydro tube. Mm -hmm. And inside the canister, it says, we have Captain Sam Sawyer, and he's told us everything about D-Day. So yes, just, you know, Call that off because we know everything you're going to do. So Fury's like, Sessa, Fessa, Ressa. So he goes to London to meet with that same general that was talking to Sawyer. And the general's like, okay, we got to bomb him. And Fury's like, um, nope, bomb him. Um, um, can we, can we get a chance to save him first before you bomb him? He's like, okay, but you got such and such amount of time. And if you don't get out by then, we're going to bomb him. So, um, Fury goes and gets the Howlers. They parachute into France. They go and they find Sawyer. They fight their way past the lots of Nazis. They beat up the Ubergruppenfuhrer or whatever he is. And uh, they save Captain Sawyer. There's some tanks rolling up to the building outside for I don't know what reason. But that's really handy because as the Howlers get out of the building with their captain, they commandeer a tank and start rolling away just before the um, allied airplanes fly over the town and bomb them. 
So the uh, the Howlers and Fury and Captain Sam Sawyer are getting away in a tank trying to figure out how to get back to the English Channel. Mm-hmm. The end. This one was kind of fun. This was pretty fun. And uh-huh. I liked the uh, historical connections. Okay, so let's talk about that because if we recall, Sergeant Fury number one ended with their future being D-Day. Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of at least flirting with that being near. I mean, we don't know what date this is. And it is just a plan, so it could be years in the making or something. But right, I don't know. It's like kind of a. It's not a bookend because we don't see D Day yet, but it's like we're getting closer or something. So for those at home who don't know, because I didn't know, I thought D Day was the end of the war. Mm-hmm. D Day is not the end of the war. D Day is when we landed at the beach of Normandy to start retaking occupied France, and that was on June sixth, nineteen forty four. That's basically like. I'm not. I'm just guessing because I don't know either. But that's basically when we started turning the tide a little bit, right? Because up until that sure. point, we weren't really winning. And it was a pretty um, storied event. There have been mm-hmm. movies about it. It's in Saving Private Ryan. Um, yep. Nolan just did a film, I think, about it. Uh, so it's like you know, the big thing is like these guys are are cruising on up to the to the beach in covered boats. The Axis army sees them coming. They've got their guns all lined up, ready to mow them down. But we land anyway, and our soldiers run through, getting shot down and mowed down, but enough get through to actually get past and start, you know, retaking the land. So it's a pretty uh, um, storied event, like I said. And little known fact, the Howlers were involved, which is, of course, why they succeeded, right? Of course. If it hadn't been for Fury and Dum Dum and Izzy, you never know what would have happened. Right, because they always succeed in their impossible missions. Um, uh, I really liked the uh, the training at the beginning. I did too, except part of me, maybe it's just too formulaic of my brain, but part of me was like, where does this pay off? You know, like, wasn't there going to be an undersea part later? But I guess they just wanted to show undersea stuff because they said they would. I had a similar question in my brain. I'm guessing it's just like the uh, the training room scenes in X-Men, you know? Mm-hmm. There's a well, danger room scene. There's that caption. Last month, Stan hinted to Darling Dick that the only place the Howlers hadn't opened a story was underwater. Now, I don't remember if we were privy to that conversation or if that's just something in, internally in the office, but um, I guess that was the whole purpose of it, just to open somewhere new. So that was yeah. kind of cool. And they're wearing villainous purple and have weird <laughs> scuba diver hats. Burning the documents was very Mission Impossible. That, and I just really liked, I think I liked the beginning more than once it finally kind of settles into a Howler story, but I like mm-hmm. Sam Sawyer having... His moment, you know? Yeah, I get to be like a person and go do stuff on his own. Yeah, and show how cool he was and that still at some – and somewhere in there, he's still kind of a Nick Fury because he's pretty much a – you know, he's knocking around six, seven guys before they can finally subdue him. Right. And uh, yeah, it was neat to see him like as if, he, as if he was back in the glory days, you know, that we've had hinted at. I was thinking at – where is this? Uh, page six, panel five. Oh, Sawyer is fighting guys and thinking, just yesterday I chewed Fury out for ripping up too many of his shirts. That mm-hmm. reminded me of early Star Trek, where Captain Kirk would rip uh-huh. open his shirt for no reason, like every Tuesday. Total trope, yeah. But that was that's still five months out in the future at this point. Oh, wow. Okay, so once we get to that month, we're going to start covering Star Trek episodes too, right? Because that's Marvel, kind of. <laughs> that's yeah dc and marvel <laughs> yeah if we're gonna uh, do all the media that marvel has ever adapted we should already be doing godzilla movies oh shoot really i was just gonna ask have they started any media we've missed because dang it godzilla movies okay i don't know if i'm prepared for that 
Yeah, I, I don't, we can we can always redirect people to uh, Luke Giaconetti's Earth Destruction Directed podcast. Okay, great. My son's really into Godzilla, but not to the point where he wants to watch it. So I don't know how to explain that. But anyway, okay, he just well, likes movies, it in movies take in apps a, you know, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they take stamina, mm-hmm. especially Godzilla movies. You know, movie just off topic. You know, movie I just tried to watch recently that I realized is actually a lot of movie, and I need to break it up into two parts. Oh wow, what? Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Oh really? Oh no. Yeah, I freaking love I, that movie. No, it's good. It's just a lot of movie. And I we got it through is. like all the happy stuff at the beginning. Not happy, but like when things are less terrible. <laughs> up until yeah. Steve has to go on the run. Okay. And we started the next morning with the scene in the hospital where Steve is like cornering Black Widow. Oh Meadow. boy, that's not even halfway. You're gonna have to break it up into three parts. It's right? close to halfway. It's close enough for government. Is work, it so, okay? Yeah. How long is that movie? Three hours. Two and, Two and a half, half hours? Yeah, it's a long movie. Yeah, that was the... Well, I'm biased, but that might be my favorite MCU movie, though I do like a, quite a few of them, so who knows. That's been a thing I, on Twitter lately. Rank the MCU movies, and it's like, I can't. They're kind of all my babies. And right? make me happy. Although and I can I, definitely I, put some on the bottom, but even those I still like. <laughs> but even the ones I don't around, like, right? I like. Huh? You still got to keep them around. Yeah, Totally. I mean, there's just some that I like more than others, but I don't know if I can rank them one, two, three, four, you know, I don't know, too hard. Yeah, I, I realize that the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I like the least, uh-huh. I still enjoy. And they're yeah. still pretty good films. They just have some, you know, but anyways, we're off topic. Um, well, it is a Marvel podcast, but there is no Sergeant yeah. Fury movie as of yet. Captain America and his Howling Commandos is a phrase they use in The Winter Soldier. Yeah, they do. And they even say how Bucky's the only Howler who... Die make action. it. Yeah, crazy. Poor Junior Juniper, he gets forgotten. So they made the Howling Commandos Caps people, not Nick's people. Right. Anyway. Um, they do a callback to Stru- Strucker in continuity. Yeah, they do. That was cool. Yeah, it was very cool. He is on the outs with the Nazis right now. So here's the difference between like 60s comics and modern comics. If this was modern comics, there would definitely be a panel or two of a blood-soaked Captain Sawyer tied in a chair with two fat, you know, raccoon eyes refusing to talk. And in here, it's like very kind of like old school movie polite. You'll talk. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I won't. Oh, yeah. We'll shake a finger at you. I don't care. I'm tough, which I kind of appreciate because, you know, who needs all that violence? But yeah. And they get the idea. I mean, he actually says, you know, you can bring on the Gestapo, the SS or Nazi version yeah. of the campfire. So it both implies torture and it keeps things light. Um, yeah. And the next thing we know about Captain Sawyer is we're getting a message saying he gave everything up. I like that because it was so like stereotype film German, that strategy. He told us everything. You better quit D-Day now. Even though, you know, he didn't. And they're just we, grasping at straws. We know all the secrets. Oh, yeah. What's one of our secrets? Well, if I told you, it wouldn't be secret anymore. <laughs> I like how What's-His-Face got bumped in the head again. And apparently that was the second time as they like to tell us in the caption. Yeah, I, I would not have remembered that. Izzy Klein, whenever they uh, dropped the message canister, I bonks him on the head. Yeah, apparently that happened in Sergeant Fury number five also. So that's like his new thing now is he gets bonked in the head by messages from Germany, which I think is hilarious. Gabe only has like two lines in this comic, which was kind of yeah. frustrating. So you said the guy, the German, the German, the American general guy is like, we should just bomb everything and that way it doesn't matter. If well, he, he dances around it for a while. He does. He does. So... But, you know, like you said, in the end, they're obviously bombing the place. So that is that was his point. And we kind of I kind of understood that to be his point when he was talking. And I just thought 
That's like kind of a bold story choice to make the Americans seem a little mean too. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of the surprised they did that. The logic is that they can't let anyone who's heard Sawyer survive to tell. So they're just mm-hmm. going to bomb the entire establishment, which, yeah. you know, is extreme. But heroic. also, I, I, yeah. Yeah. From a military standpoint, I can see the logic, but it's. it's oh, for sure. But I'm just surprised in a 60s comic where it's all about America being awesome and, mm-hmm. you know, bad Germany and good America, like that they let America make this kind of uh, nefarious choice or at least consider it. And like I said, it, it, it's, uh, and you said too, they spend three panels talking about, you know, that they'll have to do something. Uh-huh. The jury's like, no, let me go in and save him. And I didn't, right. it's, it seemed like the general was saying they're going to go in and have Sawyer killed. Yes. And I'm like, well, if you're going to go in and have him killed, why can't you just go in and save him? But right. then he mentions the fleet of bombers to hit it with everything they've got. Yeah, yeah. It's like they kind of danced around it, but didn't. Do you think circus strongmen can actually bend steel? Because Dugan does. Dugan does? Where does he do that? Oh, yeah, he does. He bends, a, 14, ni- bends a gun. He bends a rifle, yeah. I don't think so, but that's just me. I don't know. They can do the phone book thing, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't seem likely, right? That someone could physically bend steel? Like someone Well, that's like augmented. a Superman thing, bend steel with his bare hands. Like, Yeah. If that's something that someone can do, like – in a circus, then you wouldn't think it'd be something that Superman could do because he's like even more powerful than that. I also feel like that gun would just snap, not turn into a U. But I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It was a cute little moment though. So why are we why are we being all scientific about it? I don't know. It was but, fun. yeah, it's cute. It was like his way of interrogating the guy, it made the guy scared. Uh, but I don't know what else I have to say. Like it was fun. Yeah, that, I just had my last note. This was one of the more delightful reads of this book mm-hmm. for a while. It was dense especially in light of the simple plot Mm -hmm. but i really enjoyed it yeah i'm feeling a little sensitive about the whole uh roy thomas dialogue thing still Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's i don't know if that's fair to him or not now that i know that he's a wordy guy and i see his name on there i just go oh this is going to be wordy and i decide it is just buckle in yeah it's not a very good test because if you took his name off would i say the same thing i don't know i think this book has always been a little wordy but anyway on to Avengers, who are slightly less wordy, maybe, but not really. Number 29, The Power Unleashed. Where the Black Widow is wearing green on the cover. Is she? Re- You're right. I actually kind of like that. That's cool. It's cool. Anyway, uh, where were we? Caption. There's a caption. After an absence of many months, the astonishing giant man has returned to the mighty Avengers. Then... Wearing a newly designed costume, Henry Pym decides to take a new name as well, and so Goliath is born. But after successfully defeating his newest foes, Disaster Strikes, the 25-foot Titan has remained giant-sized longer than his safety limit of a quarter hour. Thus, upon reducing back towards normal size, Goliath collapses before he can shrink past the 10-foot mark. Savage script by Stan Lee. Explosive embellishment by Frank Giacchia. Powerful penciling by Don Heck and lethargic lettering by Sam Rosen. Giacchia? Giacchia? Giacchia. Okay. No, this is not the start of a new Ben Casey medical story. Ho, ho. I love that reference that I don't get. But when a mighty Marvel <laughs> hero gets hurt, he's not just whistling Disky. Dixie. I meant to look up Ben Casey, but forgot. I assume it's a doctor show or something. I think so. I've heard the name before. Okay. Well, anyway, probably know what it is. 
okay, so Hank Pym is unconscious and they're all worried and Quicksilver's doing his flash thing real fast with these thermal reviver discs that I don't know where they got those from or what they do, but they're not working. He's still unconscious. Uh, Wanda, wow, no, we have a new lady in this movie, in this, in this comic. Uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Jan. Jan says, whatever, if ever he was to go unconscious, he told me to call out for, uh, this guy named Don Blake. And they all go, okay, let's call Don Blake. We don't know he's Thor, but they call and Don Blake is busy in Thor number 129 or eight or whatever that caption says. Number 129. So Cap says, hey, I know a guy named Major Carlson from the war, and he never turns down a request for help. So Major Carlson comes over and basically tells them, you know, he's giant man strong, so that's the good news. He's going to make it. The bad news is if he shrinks to human size ever, he won't be able to take it. He needs to stay 10 foot. He needs to stay 10 foot powerful in order to continue living. So they're all like, well, thanks for the good bad news. Uh, Hank wakes up. And everybody's happy. Meanwhile, we cut to Russia, although it kind of looks more Asian. Well, it's actually the Far East, it says. Okay. And they've uh, successfully brainwashed Black Widow back into being a bad lady. I guess they somehow captured her from the hospital that Hawkeye left her at. Um, And she's willing to be a bad lady, and she's going to go destroy the Avengers because that's what they tell her to do. Meanwhile, Hank's upset. He's thrashing things around. Cap tells him, calm down. He says, you know, I just, I'm going to want to be a freak my whole life. And when they're not looking, he takes off and walks down an alley. Cap's sad. Uh, we cut to the swordsman making a living as a circus guy. Black Widow confronts him, tells him, I'm recruiting bad guys to take on the Avengers, and I got one more stop. Uh, then we get back to the Avengers again. And this time, Hawkeye's being told by Cap that the S.H.I.E.L.D. has reported that Black Widow is alive and that she's heading to the U.S. And he's very happy because he's under the impression that she was dead or something. And so he's like, I'm going to go find her. And Cap's like, whoa, buddy. I mean, she's probably coming here for a reason. And it's possible that reason is that she's been brainwashed. Somehow I know this. And Hawkeye's like, that's lame. How would you know that? I'm out of here. And Cap's like, hey, Jan, instead of crying... Why don't you distract yourself by shrinking and following Hawkeye for me? So she does that. Hawkeye goes to the last known location of Black Widow. He finds her. He confesses his love to her. She says, hey, look what I got for you. I got Swordsman and Power Man. Remember him? And Hawkeye's like, oh, my God, they captured you. And he starts to fight them. And she's like, no, no, I'm actually the leader of this group, and I want to kill the Avengers, and I want to know if you're in. And he's like, ah, obviously you're brainwashed. Cap was right. And so he tries to take on power man and swordsman and he loses and wasp runs away because she didn't actually ever put her stingers on so she didn't really have any way to fight them so she's just going to go back to the avengers and tell them what happened along the way she gets attacked by a freaking bird and all the shenanigans basically uh she shrinks she grows full size to take on the bird and she sits on a branch and the branch can't take her enormous weight And she falls and goes unconscious. So she never actually warns the Avengers, who are now being attacked by Swordsman and Power Man. They attack Cap first. He puts in a good Cap showing, but ultimately loses, wakes up in a dungeon. They didn't take his uh, communication, though. That's on his wrist under his glove. So he contacts Wanda and Quicksilver, who were apparently at home. So they go out to go after him. Wasp finally wakes up. She goes to Avengers Mansion and uses their communication stuff to figure out where they are. Also, Quicksilver shows up and he tries to rescue Cap from the dungeon, but he also gets captured. 
Scarlet Witch gets zapped by Swordsman's awesome uh, uh, Mandarin-enhanced sword. So he's unconscious. And just as they're patting themselves on the back, the three of them, for winning. Oh, that's what Wasp did. She reached out and contacted Giant Man. So Giant Man shows up, and he busts through the door, and he says, I'm giant, and I'm powerful. And he starts kicking their butt, basically. Black Widow runs away. Power Man gets punched out. The Wasp shows up out of nowhere and starts stinging them. So it's basically the two of them against the three of them, and it's awesome. Um, then the Wasp uh, jumps on the computer and releases Cap and Quicksilver from the dungeon, and also Hawkeye's there, I guess. So now it's all the Avengers versus these three people, and they decide they're outnumbered. So they, what do they do? They escape. They escape through a door that has, like, lasers that come down so the Avengers can't follow. But Hawkeye's like, I'll just shoot an arrow through the lasers. But then, like, Black Widow's in the way, and he's like, oh, man, I can't because I love her. So they get away. And Hawkeye's like, gee, I'm really sorry I let you guys down. And Cap's like, hey, man. You're an Avenger, but you're a human too, and feelings are feelings, and you've got them, and we would have done the same thing. And Hawkeye's like, oh, I feel really bad that I've treated him like crap this entire time now. Um, and then Giant Man, they all say thanks, Giant Man, for helping, and he says, eh, I'm still stuck at 10 foot, and he walks away cap sad. The end. Dun, da, dun, dun, da, dun, dun, dun. I liked so, a lot of this. Yeah. Um, Goliath is here with a, with a new name, and... Um, I don't know if we ever actually hear the name Giant Man in the comics again. Uh, I can't think of anybody who's ever adopted it. Yeah, it's always Goliath now, which is That's good because cool. it's better. It is a better name. Mm-hmm. But like, okay, so Hawkeye becomes Goliath and What's-His-Face becomes Goliath. I can't remember his name. Uh, Bill Foster? Yeah, Bill Foster. That's all I can think of. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody's ever done Giant Man because nobody likes Giant Man. <laughs> so... um the the recap from mm-hmm. last issue, mm-hmm. the, they're a little bit fudging the truth a little bit. Yeah. Because it was not, I must turn back within 15 minutes or I will die. Uh-huh. It was, I have to stay this size for at least 15 minutes right. before I can change back again. You're right. And then at the end, they're like, oh no, he waited too long. So it's like, okay, he has to wait at least 15 minutes, but you can't wait too long. <laughs> You can you have to wait fifteen, but don't go past sixteen. Right, right. There's like there's like a window, and that's where you are. Yeah. Well, he obviously did something wrong, and I'm not. And while I'm not a fan of like broken powers, I feel like this was okay, and it, I don't know if it'll last that long. I don't know. Yeah, it can't. So it's okay. Like I don't like when you know Sue can't do this thing. It's like, can we get past this so we know that Sue will eventually just be able to do this thing? Hurry up already! But. Mm-hmm. But this is okay, because I, I can't imagine Hank Pym is going to be 10 foot forever. I know he's not. So We know he's not, right? Right. How long does it take, and how does he get back? That's the question. <laughs> I'm thinking next issue, but we'll find out. I don't really know. Just guessing. Well, a lot of these things that happen like this usually get resolved within like the next issue. Mm-hmm. This they they the- set something up, and it's like, oh, no, but then it's all resolved the next issue. So this was- is at least one extra issue that didn't happen. Yeah, I actually thought it was going to be resolved this issue somehow, magically. And they didn't. So that's actually kind of cool. Continued drama. Dun, dun, dun. I kind of love chronology notes. Mm-hmm. Except whenever they're done incorrectly. But like, Uh-oh. yeah, this one's done fine. This is okay. Thor 129. This is the issue that we just covered uh, last episode because it came out the week before. 
So Thor comes into New York at the beginning of last episode's Thor story. This is like right before that. Now, see, I misread this. Initially, I thought Jan said if Hank, Hank told her to contact Don Blake. And then I was thinking, do they know each other's identity? And I forgot. But she actually says Thor told us to contact Don Blake in case of emergencies. Right. That makes, that makes more sense. Cause Way Thor more would sense. Say, hey, yeah. if I'm not off being Thor somewhere, I am a doctor. Yeah. Turns out I'm never a doctor anymore. I'm only Thor. <laughs> but that's a cool beat because they didn't need to do that. They could have skipped those two panels and just been mm-hmm. like, Cap could have just said, I know a guy. Because this guy never goes anywhere. I was waiting for him to be a villain or something. That is a more, more cool continuity. Uh-huh. I Spe- assume we never see Major Carlson again. I don't think so. Maybe, but I don't think so. Come on, Kurt Busiek. Let's write a whole backstory. How does he know Major Carlson? Speaking of continuity, mm-hmm. Hawkeye mentions... What guy wouldn't risk his neck for the one he loves? <sighs> I do it all day long if only I had Natasha back. Remember all those times that he has mentioned Natasha for the last year of this comic? As so in, he's messed up, right? He's never mentioned her once. Well, not only that. Here's how it reads in this issue. It reads like she got taken from him, sent back to Russia or wherever the Far East to be brainwashed. And he just doesn't know where she's been. But from what I remember, the story was she got injured. He took her to the hospital and ditched her never to talk about her again. They were attacked by communist agents who were after the Black Widow. Uh Uh-huh. And he left her injured. At a hospital? No, the ambulance came and got her. He didn't ride with the ambulance. Okay. So the ambulance could have been a fake communist ambulance. Or they could have raided her hospital room. In any case... They knew exactly where she was because they attacked her and he bailed on her and they could have taken her right then. So maybe then he planned to visit her, but found out that she got kidnapped because he was stupid. I guess we could read that because that's how he's acting. Like he finally found her again. Like he's been looking this whole time or something. And maybe he was looking off panel, like in between issues and everything. Yeah, that's fine. I would have liked to have seen a few mentions of Natasha since like that was the love of his life or at least the love of his year. And he lost her, and that was his last character note before joining the team. But no. That was his character note in the team on Avengers 16, right? Does he talk about her then? Yeah, yeah, in Avengers 16, uh, whenever he joins, the, or 15, I think, whenever he says his hellos in 15. Is it 15? He showed up in 15, huh? I'm trying to desperately, like, find this no, flashback. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you're right. They all show up in 16. 17 is the first team story. I got my issues wrong for a second. So okay. they all show up in 16. So he probably tells his story in issue 16 because 17 is their first like mission. Yeah. I'm just not finding the flashback of him talking about her unless they just didn't visually represent it. Yeah. I don't even know if they did. I I don't know either. I'm trying to figure out if he actually said something that conflicts with this issue, but whatever, it doesn't matter. I guess the point is we're supposed to believe that she got away somehow and he's been looking for her, which is fine. Whatever. We can fill that in. Um, He hasn't mentioned her at all. Cat's America gets Goliath's name wrong, so Quicksilver's like, uh, hey, he's he's Goliath now, remember? Which, good on you, Quicksilver, for sticking up for self-identification. Everyone gets to choose their own labels. See, I read that panel and thought Cap should have then said, not now. Because <laughs> there's, there's too many other things going on, do we really care? You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> there is that, too. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see. I okay. My note. I just found my my written notes from that thing at Avengers sixteen. Hawkeye. He abandoned his beloved to die in the hospital. 
Maybe it wasn't the hospital. Maybe Natasha got airbussed over to a communist prison cell in China. Hmm. Okay, that's not actually any helpful. But, um, All right. Okay, go ahead. Do go ahead. I was just going to say, this is the second time now that I feel like Black Widow gets assigned things that are just... Not that I don't think she's awesome, but like in the Iron Man, it's like, hey, we gave you suction cups. Go kill Iron Man. And she should be like, really? Suction cups? Okay. And then this guy's like, hey, we brainwashed you and gave you like, like uh, you know, Black Canary fishnets. Go kill the Avengers. Really? Okay. That's my thing. Did she See, already have? Yeah, she probably did. I don't know. They didn't give her anything, though. So it's like, yeah. what do I have to work with here? I'm just a, I'm a spy. Can't you just ask me for to go get some secrets or something? She Don't forget she has rope. She has rope and she has suction cups, so I guess the Avengers are screwed. I don't know. It's just like, it's like, dude, you guys are really asking a lot of her. Again, I'm not to say that she's not competent, but that's a lot. That's a big ask. And Hank is not having his best life. No. It's funny. He loves he loved being Giant Man so much, like on an obnoxious level, when he first became Giant Man, and now he's upset that he's stuck that way. Well, I mean, six, ten feet is ten feet, and like you can't. It, it's like obnoxiously too big. It's mm-hmm. not insanely. It's just like so just just enough bigger to make everything difficult. Mm-hmm. But he so, was always yeah. giant man as giant man in his comic. Like every time he was oh, always yeah, like giant walking around his house All and stuff. The time. Yeah. So like, just he go t- ahead and embrace it. He tore out floors between the first two stories. So he could <laughs> right. like walk around between them. I wonder if he could grow taller than 10 feet, because if the whole point is that he's strong as, at 10 foot, then wouldn't he, he be even stronger at 20? I don't Something know. Something about the balance, that like 12 yeah. feet was like a perfect balance for him. Okay. It's not a great uh, power. No. I mean, okay. I'm almost there. I'm like three and a half feet away from his power. So <laughs> it's not that hard. I don't feel that powerful about it, but okay. We see the swordsman throwing knives at uh-huh. the girl, and yeah. she's like... He grows more skillful each day, which, uh, by backwards logic, is he was less skillful yesterday. I was going to say, that doesn't sound right, right? Yeah, those first few days were really rough on her. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's just feeling more good about it with each day or something. I don't know. Maybe. It's kind of neat that we uh, he, he got a job, though. I don't know. I didn't know what he was going to do. Go back to the circus or stage Go back to the circus, yeah. His mastery of blades. He must do it with mirrors. Um. Yeah, like you said, they talk like they've known the Black Widow was overseas all the time. Mm-hmm. So I guess Hawkeye and Captain America did find something out at some point. We didn't know, and we didn't know that they knew. But according to the narrative here, they done been new for a while now. Well, Hawkeye's surprised that she's alive. He's excited. Yeah. But Cap's like, think about it. They got rid of her. If they let her come back, it's because she's brainwashed. It's like, oh, there's a jump. But then again, Cap's been brainwashed so many times. Maybe it's not that much a jump. Maybe that's like standard country operational procedure. <laughs> I don't know. They mentioned Zemo and they call him Dr. Zemo, which I th- ah. is not the very first time they called him that in the modern age. But like, I remember thinking that they called him Dr. Zemo a lot in that old Sergeant Fury issue. Uh-huh. And then they hardly ever use the doctor title in the modern stories. It's just always right. just Zemo. Right. It's still not barren. No. I think it's funny that Hawkeye went right to, uh, you've been kidnapped and I need to save you. That's very Hawkeye, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, okay, it's my now, woman. They're bad they're guys. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I kind of want to gloss over this whole wasp can't handle a bird thing. But like we were just talking about how wasps have been kind of cool lately. And then they do this whole like she gets knocked out by a bird. Yeah. I mean, she did pretty well until the end when she fell off the branch. Um, yeah. I just didn't really need any of that. Like. Can't you just handle this? But I, I don't know. 
I guess it's kind of fun in the Ant-Man movies when like birds are snatching up his ants and stuff. So I guess it's just an interesting size dilemma. She didn't have her stinger. Right. It gives so. her a chance to be in the story and do something. Mm-hmm. Which they haven't actually been doing that with Scarlet Witch very much lately. And if they gave us Yeah. Wanda has not really been very much in the play of things. No, she just gets knocked out in this. She didn't get a chance to do anything fun. Right. Uh, but it also sets it up to where the Avengers get captured because she can't warn them. And it also sets it up to what I really liked, which was the Wasp and Giant Man back together again, you know, setting them free. That was kind of fun. Yeah, definitely. Or I'm sorry, Wasp and Goliath. But you know. <laughs> Sorry, Quicksilver. Did, um, did Jan use the same message system that got Hawkeye in trouble a few issues ago? It seemed like she did. And then it made me wonder how she knew the password, right? Oh, maybe all the Avengers, old Avengers knew that password except Cap. Yeah, maybe they all get an email or something. And it was Hawkeye because he wasn't listening. Okay, okay, okay. This little bit made me laugh. Page 14, panel three. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver come up to the place where the bad guys are. And Quicksilver says, okay, you wait here, Wanda. I'll go first in case it's a trap. Like, Mm -hmm. do you think Wanda is used to going first in front of the guy who can run faster than anyone? (laughs) Right. Do you think she needed that instruction? <laughs> right. Yeah. You think they've, they've worked together a couple times. Right. And he's always goes first. He's freaking Quicksilver. That's what he always does. Kind of sexist, though, in case it's a trap. Like, she can't handle it. And by the way, it was a trap, and he couldn't handle it. That's true. Set uh, himself up for them to die. Yeah. There's a bit in here that I like. I think it's on 16. Oh, yeah. What a victory I shall it shall be when they finally agree to turn against the free world and serve us. That's what Black Widow says. And the guy, the two guys are like, us? Who do you mean by that? So you get the feeling they don't realize that she's working for Russia and or communists. I'm not sure who she's working for. And uh, I feel like they'd like turn against her if she actually answered their question, which she doesn't. Well, that's how she got Hawkeye too, is that she got him to work for her and then played on his emotions in mm-hmm. order to get him to work. You know, once he realized she was a communist spy, he's like, I, I'm, I'm not a traitor, but dang, you're pretty. It just reminds me of that Rocketeer scene when they all find out they're working for Nazis. And then he's like, I may not make an honest buck, but I'm an American. I like that right. scene. It's great That's stuff. Yeah. I like Rocketeer. But yeah, Hank and Jan teaming up was very, very cool. It was. And she got to kick some butt in the end, which was nice. She got to beat up Black Widow and save the day by opening the dungeons and all that. Uh, and we left on a sad note. Sorry, Goliath. Goliath walking away sad. But it was cool. I guess the, they're Avengers now. Is this a new team roster change, or do you still think it's not official? I don't know. They don't say um, like you're back. But yeah, once an I, Avenger, I, once an Avenger, I think they're I think they're here. I think they're back. They're in costume. They're doing stuff on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all going after Black Widow as Avengers. Well, then that means the end of the Kooky Quartet for us. Oh, that's right. Which is weird because that team lineup is referred to so many damn times in Avengers history. Lessons. And it was a grand total of 12 issues. And it's 12 issues. And I'm trying to think like if there was any that were super stellar. They were okay. They were okay. The Swordsman one we really liked. Yes. Um, and I can't remember anything else that happened. <laughs> right, right. It's kind of like, it kind of reminds me of the first issues of the Avengers where we're after the first lineup is over and we're like, well, what was our favorite stories? And we're like, uh, uh, so maybe the Avengers just aren't, aren't hitting it yet. I mean, they're, they're fun comics, but yeah, there's, 
there have been very few that have been like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that the oh wow comics are still a little ways down the road. Somebody texts us, I think I mentioned this before at one point randomly, he says, So when does Avengers get good? Right. And like, I would say it's good now, but it doesn't get great for a while. It's not like FF good. No. I think no. it's mostly better than the X Men because the X Men's been really bad lately. Yeah. I would I, I would have a hard time putting Avengers below the X Men right now. Mm-hmm. Um Is that the only teams we have? Those three? Those are the three teams, except the Howlers, I guess. But that doesn't—they're that, not spandex. Yeah. Um, the only so other note I had on this is that Hawkeye like kicks himself for treating mm-hmm. Cap so bad, and I'm just wondering mm-hmm. if he's finally gonna or learn to act like a human being. Find out next time on Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, I feel like not, but I did like that beat. I think like, I've been asking this for a while. Like he, he he keeps on reminding himself that Cap's a good guy, and I'm like, oh, is he gonna be a good person now? No. No. I mean, even literally as he's thinking, why am I a bad person? He verbally is a bad person. So yeah, he just can't help himself. He's had emotional trauma at some point in his life. But yeah, that is the end of the kooky quartet. We now have a uh, sextet again. Mm-hmm. Not again, but for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of any new members on the team for a while yet. So I think this is, mm. this is where we're going to live for a while. All right. Should we go on to uh, the Golden Avenger? Yes. The one who got away. Tales of Suspense 79. What is this Namor on the cover? What? Yeah. We've got a uh, Iron Man chapter called Disaster. Drama-drenched script by Stan Lee. Power-packed penciling by Gene Colan. Fantasy-filled inking by Jack Abel. 12 pages of lettering by Artie Simic. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Tony's going to recap for us. He's uh, leaning in an alleyway, watching a sign that says contribute to the Iron Man Foundation, whatever that is. The monstrous irony of it. Iron Man is honored by Americans everywhere while Tony Stark finds his world collapsing around him. My money has been impounded by the courts. My factories shut down and there's a warrant out for my arrest for failing to appear before Senator Byrd's congressional committee. I'm still weak from my battle with Ultimo, and now the shock of realizing I'm suddenly penniless has put an additional strain upon my injured heart. I've got to find a safe place to change to Iron Man once more. I need the extra power which only my armor can give me. We're going to have to talk about this um, Mm -hmm. whole how does his armor work these days thing in a minute. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for sure. So he decides that of all the people who might be able to help him, the only person who can help him is Pepper Potts. So he decides to go to her apartment and um, let's see, is that her apartment he goes to? Yep. Okay. I think so. Pretty sure. He, he's going to go plug in and um, he changes to, she's not there. He changes to Iron Man. Oh, you know what? I think he goes to like, where does he, he go? He stops somewhere on the way. He, he stops at his lab, at his uh, own okay. lab, and then he's going to charge and then go to visit her. I forgot about that. Okay. So he goes to his lab, he plugs in, charges up. Once he gets a full charge, it's like, okay, now time to go see Pepper as Iron Man. So he goes to Pepper's, um, no, he goes to Avengers first. Uh-huh. He goes to Avengers first, buzzes their doorbell, but they are out um, fighting Black Widow. And so he can't get to them. He's walking around trying to figure out what his life is like these days. Um, meanwhile, meanwhile, Dorma and Krang uh, surface because uh, they are... Doing something from their book. It's uh-huh. been a while since we recorded. 
So just trying to remember exactly they what's going on. They are just stuff. escaping because Submariner's mad and they're going to get her married because she's convinced that she married him for wrong reasons. For like, you know, to save Submariner from death. That's right. He got he, so he Krang just escaped. Got and they're just out plotting. They're escaping. They're trying to f- figure out what to do next. Hmm. Okay. Remember he um, inject he injected them and they're pink now because they're going to go they hang blend out in with humans, right. right? Yeah, yeah. So they're pink in this, which is kind of off putting if you don't follow Submariner and you know that Avengers <laughs> are supposed to be blue, right? So they surface. Iron Man sees their ship and he like starts shooting at it because hey, it's the evil ship coming out of the ocean. What are they? They start shooting back. They blast Iron Man. He falls over. His armor is torn to pieces. They go back down underwater. But before they get fully submerged, he goes after them. Um, he finds their plane. He pops inside and no, he doesn't pop inside. They do get away. They do. He shoots them into the hole into the water. He starts falling out of the sky, crashes through a skylight into a building. And then Namor comes into the building saying, this is your finish Avenger. Yes. So his whole going to see Pepper thing, I was, I was certain that happened. She was not home. If I remember correctly. Okay, so that's and why he went to his office. He rang the bell. She's not home. And he was like, I should have thought a lovely creature like Pepper. She'd be certain to have a date. Why do I feel guilty? Blah, blah, blah. Romance, 60s Marvel, page five. Okay, okay. But he went to her house as Iron Man. You know why he did that, though? Because she hates Tony Stark and loves Iron Man now. So he's probably oh, not right being stupid. Oh, right now she does. Yeah. So we end on a, uh, we end on a cross-continuity cliffhanger because Namor's subplots or Namor's actual active plots are intersecting with this book and Namor walks through the door at the end. So we don't know how or why or where, but we'll have to see what happens when we get to tell us to astonish a couple of episodes. Yeah. This was kind of like a big setup. huh? Yeah. A lot of Tony moping and set up at the end with the fight with the Atlanteans. So his visit, I don't know if I buy that a super wealthy person could just be so broke so fast, you know? Like, it seems like he's destitute on the street, has nowhere to go. And it's like, really? I bet you I bet you, modern Tony would have a secret basement that only opens with his eye and he can hang out, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to know. figure out how this would work. Okay, so he gets back. He can't access his factory. He can't access his home. Yeah. He can't get to his cash because electronic money doesn't exist. Okay, yeah. So maybe he is just kind of destitute on the streets. Well, then I got to thinking about Avengers, because if the Stark Foundation funds the Avengers, are the Avengers getting a note right now that they're on the street and have no money? And if not, is it because it's a corporation that can't be touched outside of Tony? And if that's the case, can't Tony just go home to the the Avengers mansion? Whether they're there or not, can't he just walk in and go Uh, hang out in the bedroom and have a Coke? You know? Right. He should have been able to do that. He should have been able to do that, I think. Or the Avengers are broken. They just don't realize it yet. That might be interesting if that happens, but it won't. I feel like the funding of the Avengers might be like its own account. Yeah, you would think and it'd so, be a thing. Yeah, they probably have money in that account. They haven't run out yet. Isn't it under the Maria something, Maria Stark Foundation or something like that? So I, I did some looking because the Iron Man Foundation is referenced on the first page. Like, what is that? There's one in the real world, but it's not going to f- come out until 1991. But yeah, the Maria Stark Foundation gets mentioned in the 80s. Oh, well, I thought it was mentioned, and I, we're being retroactive when I say this, but I thought it was mentioned in Earth's Mightiest Heroes that he used that to, to fund Avengers, but maybe that's that all. That sounds familiar. That's all retrospect. That. So right. it's hard, hard to apply to this issue. But gosh dang, this is so pretty, though. Oh, my God. It really, really is. 
the the shadows, the mood, <sighs> the darkness. It's all really nice. That page too, like there's no Iron Man on it. It's just Tony being mopey, and I was just like soaking it in so hard. It's so beautiful. All yeah. that, all that street stuff. It's amazing. Gene Colan like is great on Iron Man, and I actually think he's the first guy to draw the iron suit in a way that I think of when I think of classic. Mm-hmm. You know. Iron Man up till now it keeps changing here and there it has like a weird horned helmet and stuff this is like the suit the iconic suit now because of Gene Cole and when he first got the suit they were doing like a dashy line between the gold and red mm-hmm. and they they stopped doing that a long time ago but yeah, yeah it just it looks like this is this is Iron Man this is actually Iron Man um how does his suit work then okay I don't know it could charge itself like, now well, the rules they set up at the beginning is he's wearing the chest plate to keep his heart going. Mm-hmm. But this is saying he has to change to Iron Man to get his heart going. Okay, so how I read it was, and I still don't know if this makes sense, though, but how I read it is he had to charge his plate. So he put the Iron Man suit on to suck power from the other parts. Okay. But I still don't know that that's ever been the case before, and it seems like they're making that up. So I don't know. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I, I didn't. I think the other parts were powered. I guess the boots would have to be drawing power because they do stuff. And I guess his gloves have to draw power because they have repulsors. Okay. Well, I feel like he can't even bend his arms or legs if, like, there weren't wasn't power to them, right? Because he's not strong enough to move that kind of well, stuff. He, but I don't he know. says, I've got it. Uh, my heart's getting weak, making me delirious. But now with my armor on, I can use the temporary charger. It'll keep me going a while longer. And he hooks himself up to a... Um, a charger generator something rather mm-hmm. so why did he have to do this with his armor on isn't he always wearing that chest plate i thought he was but this art sure doesn't look like he is no whenever it's like his shirt's hanging open and stuff right uh-huh. i think they messed up i don't know i think they've forgotten what iron man is i think they have too next thing you know we're gonna have a nose in his mask so one of my first my first iron man comic was roadie as iron man uh-huh. wearing this outfit and the first issue was oh. was like the worst issue I could start on. And I think I went nowhere with it. But he basically consults Shaman from Alpha Flight to figure out why he's having these headaches. Uh-huh. And Shaman does this weird like, you know, drug trip for the entire issue. And then it turns out like apparently many issues later, it turns out he's having the headaches because the iron armor wasn't designed for his brain. So it's hurting right. him, right? But on page four here, I kind of liked it. It says, can it be that living a secret double life is so long has begun to affect my brain? And I was just wondering, you know, is that the armor too? Is the armor screwing with his brain? I mean, it's a, it's a stretch, but. No, but I, I you know, at, sort of at some ties point, ideas together. At some point, does he realize that he needs to set the frequency to his own brain waves in order to not have a headache all the time? Or I don't know. So Rhodey wears this armor, you said? He wears this version. I don't know if it's literally this one, but. He looks like okay, this. Okay, because my earliest Iron Man comics are in Secret Wars, which is Rhodey in yeah. the Iron Man suit. Yeah, just like and this it, one. Yeah, it looks like this one. So you're right. This is the Iron Man that I think of when I think of Iron Man. For a while, he was Iron Man, just straight up Iron Man. He wasn't War Machine yet. Right. He took over because his, uh, Tony was having drinking problems or something, I think. Exactly. Yep, 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 yep. Um, let's see. They were out fighting the Black Widow whenever he went to see them. Um, page six feels like a Stan Lee cameo. There's that old man there. Uh-huh, yeah. He sees Iron Man walking by. Make love, not war. Yeah. Right. He should say something. Um, so Krang makes all bad decisions all the time. Every day. Because 
At least when it comes to Dorma, because I remember like when he was taking over the universe or whatever, his thought process was, well, the entire world loves Dorma, so I'll get Dorma to marry me, and then all these people will stop trying to revolt. And then when she said no, he threw her in front of the people and tortured her, and they all revolted on him. So it's a bad decision, right? Like he knew that would not be good for them. And here he is here like, I know, I'll attack Iron Man because he's on the monitor, and when I kill Iron Man, she'll truly fall in love with me because I know she's not in love with me right now. But watching me murder this random dude, that'll really get her into me. Mm-hmm. And then he tries that. First of all, bad logic right there. But then he tries that, and she's like, listen, I agreed to marry you to save Samaritan's life, but I'm not going to sit here and let you murder somebody. And then he's like, silence, woman, I do what I want. And then they get in a big wrestling match, which is one of the reasons he loses to Iron Man in this fight. So it's like, He's only trying to kill Iron Man to win her, and she makes it clear that won't work, and he just keeps doing it anyway. Yeah. He's a weirdo. Like, he has no stake in killing Iron Man, but he's doing it anyway, I guess. Maybe it's one of those things where he wants to do it, so he figures out a reason to justify it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then whenever the reason fails, he's just like, yeah, but I just want to. Yeah. By the way, uh, pink or no pink, Gene Colan Crank cannot blend in with humans, but that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he definitely he's like a Vulcan or something. I don't he know. looks like a deranged Vulcan, yeah. Um yeah, and I actually remember reading this story. I think it was this story. Um, but I read it just as the Iron Man story, not with the Submariner continuities connecting to it. And I thought it was like a bad coloring error on Krang and Dorma. I'm like, why are they coloring them like that? I know they're supposed to be yeah. blue. Man, this Submariner story really is just crossing over with everything, isn't it? Kind mm-hmm. of neat. First Avengers, now Iron Man. With little to no explanation, which I kind of like, because it's just like, it's working for us. And I'm a little surprised it doesn't say to be continued in Tales to Astonish 82. Um, so oh. it makes me wonder what the story structure is going to be like going into and coming out of Tales to Astonish 82. Because we don't know why Namor is in this store. This is a crazy classic cover, too, with, you know, Namor confronting a beat up Iron Man. And then he's like, not even in the story, really. I feel, okay. like, we, I feel like we got ripped off. And that's, I, I, I said it before, the cardinal sin. Mm-hmm with covers is putting your last page reveal mm-hmm. on the cover. It is Which, a terrible choice every yep, time. Yep. And that's what they did. So this whole time I was waiting for Iron Man or Submariner to show up and I wasn't surprised when he did. Shall we move on to Captain America? Yay. Always. The Red Skull lives. Script, smile and stand. Art, Jolly Jack, inks, frantic Frankie, lettering, agonized Artie. Uh, no recap, because we're starting in on a new chapter of Captain America's saga. He is beating up green and yellow armored baddies in the street. And he runs into a police officer. And he says, hey, police officer, stop those bad guys. The police officer's like, what bad guys? And Cap says, those bad guys. And everyone's around there going, we don't see any bad guys, Cap. Are you going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? And he's like, I must be going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. What's a Cocoa Puff? And um, I get that s- reference. You what? I get that reference. All right. Um, we catch up in a uh, some sort of vessel that's flying through the sky. And, oh, yeah, one of the bad guys here talking about how awesome the Hypno Helmet is. It only took one Hypno Helmet to uh, mesmerize the entire crowd. And they're like, oh, the Supreme Leader is approaching. And Red Skull walks up what? wearing his Red Skull, a cravat, and a bathrobe. <laughs> yeah. And that's just how he rolls, kids. It's that's like my COVID. Saturday. It's like COVID um, wardrobe <laughs> every day for the Red Skull. And he's smoking. <laughs> that's a smoking jacket, right? Or is it a bathrobe? I guess it's a bathrobe. 
Because the jacket I mean, would be smaller. Yeah, I don't know. It looks like a bathrobe to me. It could be something cooler than that. But I'm thinking he's got know. he's got green jammy pants under there. He does. <laughs> but he smokes with a with I, a with a cigarette holder, so that's pretty cool. I was number one under Adolf Hitler, and I have been asleep for twenty years. I wear the bathrobe, and you can wear the bathrobe when you get to be as high as I am. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then he, for no reason, starts thinking about how he. Um, Fought Captain America last and fell into, um, uh, you know, shamble building, falling to pieces, along with two of his lieutenants. They were all exposed to some sort of underground gas that put them into suspended animation. They were all three revived by the good folks over at them. They were revived by them. And so now these are the three guys. These are Red Skull and his two lieutenants, and they're taking over the world. So Captain America is like, oh, my gosh, am I losing my mind? He goes to see a psychiatrist. Um, and the psychiatrist is like, okay, let's talk about your hallucinations. What he doesn't know is a psychiatrist. Well, actually, I don't know that. Guy with hypno helmet comes in and starts shooting at Cap again. And Cap's like, oh, my gosh, it's that guy again. And he starts shooting with his shield. And they fight. And he jumps out the window. The psychiatrist is like, oh, my gosh, why are you breaking my office? You really are completely crazy, aren't you? Captain America's like, no, I touched that guy. I hit him. I felt him. He was real. So he starts running after him. And um, let's see. The people at them are standing behind this sign, blinking a it, Advanced Idea Mechanics. Talking about how the Red Skull is certain to destroy Captain America with the hypno helmets. And so Count Royale says, all right, I'm going to go run my mission over in Strange Tales 146. See you guys next episode. And they're like, next episode, y'all. And look at this. We're building this really cool, shiny cubicle thing with spaghetti in it. We're going to call it a cosmic cube. <gasps> oh, my gosh. You mean you built this? It's not like a cosmic constant of the universe? Nope. We built it at AIM. I'm sorry, at them. Um, Captain well. America is in the streets reading the newspaper about how he's causing riots. He sees another one of the green guys and completely ignores him. While the green guy walks up to him and starts talking to him, is going to... I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The green guy has his helmet on full intensity. So they're not even Captain America knows that he's there. Because he's going to walk up and shoot Captain America in the head. No, he's going to shoot the guy and then frame Cap for murder. That's what I said. He's yep. going to shoot the guy that Cap is talking to and then frame Cap for murder. Uh, Cap is just signing autographs with some rando. Uh, but then Captain America turns around and smacks the guy with his shield and says, Ha! I knew if I just ignored you long enough, you'd make the wrong move. Like, oh, no. How did you know I was here? He's like, because my A has circuits in it. Mm-hmm. Um, he went to uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. And their scientific geniuses have been trained by Tony Stark himself. And they gave him a printed circuit to cancel out the hypnotic waves in the, any, any hypnotic waves around him. And they were printed behind the A, which evidently just peels off like a like a sticker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a one and done story, but kind of fun. Yeah, a little one and done, but it's kind of feeding into the subplots. Like Red Skull comes back, and you know this isn't the end of that. This can't be the end of that. So sure. it's, it's almost like a chapter one, but also feels very confined and contained. So I got to say, of all the stories that they redid for those '60s cartoons, mm-hmm. this is the one I remember the most for some reason. I must have watched this one more than the others. Okay. I especially remember this first page and the way they animated it was so ridiculous. We would just laugh out loud every time we saw it. 
but basically it would just, it's hard to explain, but the opening on this is an awesome Kirby cap, you know, all fours just splayed as he jumps over this group of people and he's going to tackle them, right? Mm-hmm. But in the cartoon, it just like shows that exact pose and it goes, and he like pauses in midair and then just falls down and there's a big cloud of clunk. <laughs> and I just always thought that was the funniest dang thing I'd ever seen. I don't specifically remember seeing it. I know I watched it. But uh-huh. having you describe it, I can totally see how that would have happened on their screen. Oh, yeah. It would have moved and then just like gone straight down. And yep. And smoke comes up. <laughs> yep. Hilarious. Um, I like to call Red Skull in this story the great gaslighter. Okay. He is totally making Captain America think that what he believes is reality is not reality, which is yep. basically the definition of gaslighting. Yeah. Um, and Captain America goes to see his shrink. So... Spider-Man has doubted his sanity twice mm-hmm. and Captain America has gone once. Mm-hmm. So that's where there are two superheroes who've gone the psychiatric route. Now Cap is like, it's going to take you months to psychoanalyze me. I can't spare the time. Could you just test my vision or hearing? So did he go to a shrink or a doctor? I think he went to a shrink, but he doesn't really understand what or a shrink have is. faith in yeah psychology and psychiatry. Yeah. Which I was wondering to be if fair, he in the sixties that, that maybe, you know, or the 40s. Right. Yeah. In the 40s, did it even exist? Yeah. So that's why I was wondering if know. he would even know to go to a shrink. Unless someone told him. Maybe someone told him, so he goes, but he's just like, I don't get this. Why don't you just like measure yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> Can you just tell me how much I weigh? I kind of love, <laughs> this is what I wrote. I love how suave the red skull is. Mm-hmm. The cravat and the cigarette holder really complement the bathrobe. <laughs> it's great. I loved seeing him again. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's just the worst. And his whole plan to not he not just kill Cap, because like you said, they could just like make him hallucinate, not even see the other person and just shoot him. But no, no. They drive we him have, crazy first. We have to make him go crazy and lose his, uh, you know, his uh, popularity, you know, really destroy him first before we kill him. I had three little thoughts on the flashback scene. Okay. One, <laughs> we know why the Red Skull went into suspended animation. Mm-hmm. We still don't know why Cap did, but we know why the Red Skull did. It was this gas he was exposed to. Good point. Yep. That's how science works when you inhale ice, though. We all know that. Right. (laughs) Take a nap in the ice because the ice is nice. Uh Um, Two other randos also went down with him and got their lives extended, too. Mm -hmm. So try to remember to watch these guys and see if they get killed or if they just disappear from the story. If they disappear from the story like the fourth scroll, then that means there's like, you know, two other long-lived dudes wandering around out there. Yeah, I don't remember them ever having any future, so I, it'd be interesting to find out if they do or not. I don't recognize them. And the fact that AIM, I mean them, are the ones who are brought the skull back, mm-hmm. I had forgotten that point. I, so it's interesting. It's on page five, Red Skull calls them them, but on page eight, the sign says advanced idea mechanics. All Everywhere else except for that sign refers to them as them. Right. If so you're, like like so I say, if you're not, it blink and you miss it. If you're not paying attention, the idea that they're called AIM might just go right by you. And they also are run by some guy named the Grand Imperator. 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 Mm-hmm. That's news to me. I don't know what that means or where that's going. Um, it didn't seem like they had a, a leader per se, but maybe they do. It's also yeah, just the it, three still. It's always three guys. Whereas I know AIM is to be like lots of guys. Like a horde of, of beehives, right? Right. So are they trying to keep it just this them, keep it the three shadowy figures, but now they wear beehive outfits all the time? 
it's still those same three guys? I think it's just those three guys. Mm-hmm. That's weird. They've really changed because when they first were introduced, it seemed like more of a spy bad guy thing. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, no, we're actually uber scientists who can harness cosmic stuff in a cube. But we knew that was well, coming. Yeah, I think they described themselves as super scientists in the first one. We just didn't get to see very much of why that was. Yeah. But it's cool. We got our first uh, modern day Red Skull appearance. And the first Cosmic Cube. You just mentioned and it. I think it's, it's the we, first Cosmic I mean, Cube. It, Cosmic Cube and Red Skull. That's, that's a whole thing. That's a big thing, yeah. That's a big Marvel thing, actually, eventually. Cosmic Cube in general. But mm-hmm. yeah, fun issue. I'm um, glad it didn't keep going, I guess. Yeah, I feel like I had a, something else I was going to say, but I don't know what it was. I thought it was weird whenever he says that like the people, the scientists working for S.H.I.E.L.D. were trained by Tony Stark. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chalk that up to Cap not knowing what he's talking about because S.H.I.E.L.D. has an academy. And I'm sure that people like come along with their own electronics expertise. You don't depend on Tony Stark for everything. Well, he says the scientific experts are trained by Tony Stark. So are they just... Like, does Tony have his hands in that department for some reason? Maybe he takes the electronics geniuses that come out of the academy and out of college and MIT and everything. Like, he, he runs that personal training. Yeah, he runs that department, maybe, or something. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. The idea of him running the department and cap phrasing it as trained by Tony Stark, I can, I can dig that totally. Yeah. That was kind of a jump. This is the one part of the story. It's like he just somehow knew that he was being hypnotized, but that's okay. I'll give it a pass. Yeah. I like, I like the Velcro A, so it works. <laughs> all right last issue last issue the ff our best team book ff number 52 introducing the sensational black panther we've heard of him we know him. also featuring the way out and wonderful wyatt wingfoot it had to be told as only mighty marvel could tell it scripted by smile and stan lee art by jolly jackie jackie kirby inking by gentleman joe sinnott lettering by hammy sam rosen so we start with Three out of the four FFers, Johnny's at school, and they're riding in what looks like a cool Reed Richard invention, but after he's asked when he had time to invent it, he admits he didn't invent it. Actually, it was gifted by an African chieftain called the Black Panther, and actually their rep is on the roof right now waiting for me to land this thing. So he lands, and there is a rep. Looks like a dude right out of Africa, and he's like, Fantastic Four, you could keep this awesome vehicle as long as you promise to come visit us for the great hunt and they're like that sounds cool let's do it and then the guy says okay i'll radio ahead and he pulls out this really awesome gizmo that actually impresses even reed richards because it uses cosmic channel waves to communicate he's like how can how can like something from africa like be better than my white man stuff this is weird um so then we cut to africa or wakanda to be exact and there is a guy named the black panther and he opens up this cool Black Panther cave thing and he has a costume and he starts prepping for this great hunt. Meanwhile, we cut to the FF picking up Johnny from school. Wyatt Wing, they're all happy and they have this awesome family hug thing, which I think is awesome. And then Wyatt Wingfoot sleeps through the whole thing, but for some reason they bring him along. We cut to the Inhumans. Uh, What's his name? What is his name? Uh, Karnak. Karnak has been trying to karate chop what's basically the material that is keeping them imprisoned. And he keeps hurting his hand and they keep telling him to stop. And he's like, no, eventually I'll figure out the weakness. And meanwhile, Maximus, who's in prison, is like, no, you won't. You never will. Ha 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 So we cut back to that later. Uh, the FF approach Wakanda. 
It shows all these Wakandans with awesome technology hiding in the jungle, so we know there's more than meets the eye here. They land in this super awesome Kirby high-tech city thing, and then all of a sudden, the guy who's driving the vehicle disappears, and these walls come up, and they're trapped. And they're like, what the heck? Has this been a trap the whole time? And Reed Richards is like, I knew it the whole time. I just didn't want to tell you guys because I'm the smartest one on the team. Um, And... The thing like immediately tries to punch through the, or rip the walls open, and guess what? It's full of electrical shock, and it knocks him on his butt for what Black Panther will say is five minutes because he comes out of nowhere all of a sudden, and he kicks both Johnny and the thing, and then uh, they start fighting, and Black Panther like lures Johnny into this like fireproof trap thing, and then the trap lowers into the ground, and no more Johnny. So that's one down. And then the Black Panther like cha-cha, disappears and lets them like regroup. And so they're like, "What's going on?" And Wyatt's awake now, and he's like, "Hey, I'm Native American. Let me use my innate ability to to track things while you guys figure this stuff out." And they're like, "Thanks, guy." Uh, Wakandans show up, and they shoot magnet rays at the remaining three FF and it repels them separately and reads like, Oh, he wants to fight us all individually, which is true. So he goes after a visible woman first. I called her woman. She's really girl in this, but she should be called woman. Um, and he tracks her and she's all invisible, but he can smell because he's a black Panther and he's so fast that when she tries to whip up an invisible force field, he's already hugging her before it gets up there. So he knocks her out with his cool claw gas one down. Then he goes to find the thing who fell for his trap of drinking water. There's water there, and the thing is drinking it. It's like, ha, that's not really water. That's devitalizing fluid, and it's making you as strong as me, or as weak as me, however you want to word it. And so they get into a mano-a-mano fist fight, and the Black Panther wins because he tricks Thing into, like, touching electricity, and it knocks him out, paralyzes him. Uh, Meanwhile, Wyatt is making his headway, man. He, like, goes through, like, all these Wakandans, and he finds – and he starts smashing their circuitry, and he kind of can figure out where the human torch was – where in the floor the human torch is. So he manages to get him out and free him. While all that's happening, the Black Panther takes on the most difficult member of the Fantastic Four, according to Black Panther, Mr. Fantastic. He makes the light in the room completely dark. And he starts punching the heck out of him because Black Panthers can see in the dark. Uh, Finally, Reed Richards uses his stretchy leg or something to turn the light switch back on. But it's too late. His arms are trapped in titanium cuffs. Uh, But before Black Panther can do anything about it, uh, turns out Wyatt had actually successfully freed the Human Torch because he shows up and he starts burning things. And the Thing and Invisible Woman are also there because Human Torch freed them. And suddenly the Black Panther's surrounded and he's like, oh, man, my plan is foiled. Okay, I promise not to attack you anymore. And Reed Richards is like, I can tell he's a man of honor. And if he says something, he means it. He's like, yes, I am a man of honor. I am also the Black Panther. Let me take off my mask. See, I'm really the prince. And I have a reason for why I called you here and attacked you. And that reason is next issue. First Black Panther. First Black Panther. Kind of a mean guy. Yeah, they they tease the whole, is he a villain thing? Well, he seems pretty villainous, but I assume he has a reason. Because we know in hindsight... Right. Or maybe he doesn't, for all I know. Or maybe maybe it's just not good enough because he just attacked these people and, you know, that was really mean. Was pretty mean, but he was pretty cool. He is pretty cool. So, fun times, this issue has an alternative cover. Okay. Uh, an unpublished cover, I should say. Okay. Um, it was a Kirby cover because if, you, if you're reading other comics around this time and you get the house ads showing three Marvel covers and they show the Fantastic Four – 
it's just a generic Fantastic Four rectangle with a blurb that says special super secret cover. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because they hadn't they had to redo the cover. They hadn't redone it yet, whatever they were those ads. Okay. The first cover, similar concept, somewhat of a different position for the Black Panther. He's more like jumping forward and, and more, you know, closer to the camera, but he has a half face mask. Oh. So you can see the bottom half of his face. Interesting. So you can see that he's a black man. Because it want, was next. You want to know why that's interesting? Why is it interesting? Just for one reason, because it's interesting. But also to answer a question from two issues ago, the next Avenger is going to be Black Panther with half his face exposed in Avengers number 52. Yes. So, so they do go back to the look. Uh-huh. But like introducing a new character uh, as a, I'm guessing a, a featured character as a black man on the cover. Mm-hmm was not allowed. Remember that Gabe Jones has been recolored a few times on the cover? Yep. So in any case, they had to redo the cover. They ended up redesigning the Black Panther with the new fa- uh, full face mask. And um, of course, once you get into the comic, the fact that Black Panther is a black man is not a secret at all. Right. But in the cover on the newsstands. I'm trying to remember what it was. I don't know if it was like a list of Batman analogs or something like that, but I... One time I was reading an article, all these different like light characters, and I noticed that all the black versions had fully covered masks. And that mm. even happens like kind of now. Like the most recent example that I can think of is Squadron Supreme, who the black analogy in that. Black, what's his name? Black Hawk or something like that. I don't know. He's got a full, you know, uh, I don't know. He's got a full uh, face mask, and he's the Batman of the group. But. And I don't know. He's black underneath. Is that coincidence or is that just because it's logical to cover your face completely when you're black, when you're Batman? I don't know. But yeah, I think it's still a thing. I think it might bit. still be a thing. Yeah. I remember some hearing some conversations in uh, comic book stores about Spawn. Oh, yeah. There was, you go. He was yep. a black man, but his face was fully covered. But his face is also mutilated and burned. Mm-hmm. And whenever he wanted to turn human looking, he could only turn white. Mm-hmm. So like they took his blackness of his identity away from him mm-hmm. as part of his punishment because he made a deal with the devil. Um, so that's a whole weird dynamic, but I think Tom McFarlane was trying to do something cool. It was just, you know, being you know, right outside of the population culture. At least they addressed it. Right. Yeah. Um, but black Panthers here, he is very cool. Um, he does a lot for the Marvel universe, of course, over the years, but one of the first things he does he gives the Fantastic Four this flying vehicle, mm-hmm. which is a forerunner of the Avengers Quinjet. Oh, because yeah. Because Wakanda is going to supply the Quinjets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that out of the gate, Wakanda's super advanced technology and Reed's all impressed by them. That's neat. Um, it's a little bit weird because it's like, how could anything in Africa be advanced? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, Ben says something. They all do, yeah. Yeah. How does some refugee... Actually, I'm not going to even read the line. It's just... Ben Grimm often says things in this era that he really shouldn't. And most of it's gender stuff towards Sue, but sometimes it's racial stuff too. And it's just like, Ben, oh my gosh, I did not think you were a good old boy like that. But even like Reed, who's like, this, this ship is powered by magnetic waves, which I've never thought of or heard of before. And then it says, I wonder how the Black Panther, whoever he is, got possession of such a ship. Mm. Not how did he invent it. Or design it, right. Or designed he's some, it. He's making some assumptions there. And maybe that was intentional. Maybe like... The whole thing that Stan was trying to put forth is don't underestimate, you know, other cultures. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we should probably <laughs> just so anyone out there who's listening, make sure they understand that Wakanda isn't real. 
Right. Because evidently there's a discussion about that online. Oh my God. Are you serious? Well, just from the less intelligent uh, branches of the community, uh, President Trump and stuff. See, um, see page six, re, or Johnny Storm also says, how does an African chieftain latch onto a plane that flies by magnetic waves? Right. So Africa, you can't invent anything cool. I think it's one of those things that was trying to be progressive for its time, but ends up feeling a little bit the wrong direction nowadays. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, so page eight, I wrote down, oh yeah, the, the Inhumans show up. Uh-huh. And I guess they're all just really dramatic. <laughs> yeah, that's their thing. Like, we're all helpless. We can't do anything. And have I told you my whole thing about uh, the voice of Maximus and how he's really, I can never remember his name, but the um, Vizzini from Princess Bride? Oh, yeah. You'll never be free. Never, never, never. <laughs> I am the rightful king, not Black Bolt. And my subjects must remain with me forever. Mm-hmm. So anyways... Never go against a Sicilian when death is on the line. Never go up against an human when death is on the line. That totally looks like him. <laughs> it does. Uh, and he's still sporting that rocking crown. So That is definitely something to wear on your head. Why did they bring Wyatt Wing- Wingfoot? I mean, I guess he does. He saves the day. But it's like he was sleeping in bed and they just brought him. That seemed awfully odd. Yeah. I really, really feel like it was just to save the day at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, they're trying to make him a thing. They're trying to make Fetch happen. And the thing is that Wyatt and Johnny are going to have a plot thread going for a while in the near future. But still not entirely sure what Wyatt's doing. I mean, I like that he saved the day and he seems like a cool guy. I wish there was just dialogue like, can I come too or something? I mean, he's just literally napping. And next thing you know, he's in the plane and they just brought him. And it's like, what? Okay. Ben just picked him up and cradled him. (laughs) Let's bring him to this crazy place we've never been to. Okay. Now, do you think Wyatt actually trained and learned how to track? Or do you think this is magical Indian syndrome? The blood of my ancestors, the great scouts of all time, flows strong in my veins. That sounds like he didn't train and there being a stereotype. But, uh, you know, we could just say he worded it weird and he has trained. I don't know his history. I don't either. He also looks like a white guy with slick back hair. So, I don't know. Whatever. Well, they color black people as gray, so maybe they just don't really know. <laughs> they have no idea. No <laughs> how idea. How to distinguish Native I'm, Americans. I guess we should be glad there's no feathers in his hair or something. But uh, yeah. Um, Speaking of coloring black guys gray, though, did they do that in here? Yeah, they did, mm-hmm. didn't they? Yep. All yeah, over. Yeah, they're all, all gray. over. I'm just so used to it now, I don't even notice it. Yeah, your brain processes it. So, page 14. Evidently. Black Panther understands the rules about Susan's powers uh-huh. better than Stan and Jack seem to at the beginning. Because <laughs> he studied and he knows that if she's going visible, that means an invisible force field is probably coming up. Right. Yeah. That was pretty cool. And also, why can't she make an invisible force field around her invisible self? That just like, I feel like she just like extend. I don't know. Maybe you have to have a, they feel I'm, like there has to be a balance. I feel like she could do that these days. I think this is just one of those back in the day rules that are stupid. Possibly, possibly. But I like that he can smell her any tractor anyway, and he's really fast, and that was neat. Yeah, I really like Black Panther. In this first outing, he seems a little bit like Craven the Hunter in a new suit. Uh-huh. But um, they're going to do more with him, of course. It's just... I don't think I've ever seen Gas Fingers again, but I could be wrong. Ooh, Gas Fingers. He has claw gas fingers that he knocks her out with. But hey, that's cool. That's very Black Panther, I guess. Yep. Um... It was a good Someone fight. Said, I mean, it's a lot of fight. Go ahead. 
Ben on page 16 says, if not for drinking that blasted water, I'd have demolished him that with that whap. Uh, yeah, if Black Panther hadn't drunk that water, and also, Ben, if you hadn't drunk those cosmic rays, yeah, then nobody would have powers. Yeah, that's true. Um, they mention about how there are no female warriors. That's a bummer. Trying to find it. Yeah, I guess Shuri, and I'm blanking on her name now, but there's a whole squad of them in, in the well, Black Panther and he film. does say on page 18... You know, if you've harmed my wife and he says she is safe enough for now, I do not consider females to be fair game. That's what he says, which from that I infer that there are no female warriors. No, he was fine to knock her out. And I don't think he's planning to kill human torture thing either. So what does he even mean by that? I don't know. Like fair game in what sense? Like he's knocking them all out to capture them, it seems like. Because he could have. He's just talking dangerous. He could have killed Ben and Johnny by now and he didn't. And presumably he has a reason for what he's doing. So, yeah, that just seemed like a weird random sexist dialogue beat that didn't need to exist um at the very end when he's pulling off his mask and revealing his face mm-hmm. he says that his mask is not for concealment it's just a symbol of his panther power mm-hmm. and i feel like that's an important line especially in light of the background with the cover mm-hmm. they're like we're not doing this mask to hide him mm-hmm. we're not trying to hide the fact that he's a black guy we're just trying to give him a symbol well and also that he's Obviously the king, because he's introduces the king in this comic and everybody knows who he is and he calls himself the Black Panther right in front of everybody and changes and all that. So he's not, it's not a secret identity situation. Yeah. Oh, I did want to say one thing before you finish up the comic. Anyone who doesn't know the, how their history lines up, they're calling him the Black Panther because the Black Panther movement is not yet a thing. Like, Yeah, that would have been the, 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 awkward, huh? Right. The name was safe at this point. Got used for other stuff later. Well, they obviously named themselves after this comic. Evidently. That's what I would have done. Right? I mean, there's no animal called the Black Panther, so it has to be. (laughs) But that's our four issues. Really good internal Black Panther. Yeah. If only they had brought Captain America with him instead of White Wingfoot, he could have taken him. Could have done. Could have done. Maybe. That's a battle of the ages. Okay. That's it. We finished on a high note. Should I tell what their homework is for next week? Yay. So next week, we're going to finish up the month of April with Strange Tales 146 and Amazing Spider-Man 38. If you don't know, those are both Steve Ditko's final issues. (gasps) And I think John doesn't like at least one of them, if I remember correctly. But we'll find out. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're going to start May with Daredevil 18 and Thor 130. So read those up for next week. And uh, where can they find us? You can go to makearsmarvel.com. There you'll find links to all of our, uh, uh, all the most popular, you know, podcast apps. Or you could just type Make Ours Marvel into your favorite app and hopefully it shows up. You can also find a generic RSS feed. You can find links to our social media on Facebook and Twitter. And last but certainly not least, you can write us through our contact form or directly podcast at makearsmarvel.com. You can follow Mike on Twitter at Kaiser the Gray. You can follow me on Twitter at John Reads Comics. Uh, my other shows include a Transformers podcast where I talk about Transformers comics and cartoons. That's at TFUK Podcast on Twitter. And I also talk about image comics from the 90s at All the Pouches on Twitter. The uh, podcast is called um, All the Pouches. And yeah, so those are over there. And um, does that wrap us up? I think that wraps us up. All right, we'll be here with us next week. And until then, or until the Cosmic Cube turns into a baby, make ours marvel. Marvel.